Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade film movie debate hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm angry. No, I'm just kidding. Ooh. I'm William Johnson, but you'll, you'll see why I'm this can be good. angry later. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be good. We're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum sake. We're shared passions and high fives to wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about whoo, uh, Cinephile Nudie Magazine Day is what I called it when we had the press screening on Thursday, where <laughs> for some reason, this is the movie. All the... Film bros, cinephiles, delicate snowflakes alike are all waiting all year for. This is Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring his two muses of Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's recommended to us by every white man in America. And our format (laughs) here is this. The recommending lover goes first. They will get five unerupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high money keys. And I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think we got a lover between the two of us, but let's nope. see what happens. Nope. Uh, the hater follows with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth, or we're just going to be here to burn it to the ground. Um, after that, we're going to open it up for about 30 minutes of shared conversation with a hiss if it really gets chippy and deep today. I got a feeling we're going deep today. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to go really deep. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, we, actually, we actually were going to um, do like kind of another editorial episode based yeah. on some things going on in my life and my perspectives of film criticism and stuff. I'm and uh, we just were like, you know what? It's going to dovetail into this fucking movie anyway. So yeah. we might as well just do this all at once. So you're going to get a, you're going to get a review of a movie, but we're going to talk uh-huh. about the, we're going to talk about the, the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. You know, so I'll try then to, to volleyball this to you, I will try to go first. Just to, I haven't gone first sure. in a while, but let's see what happens here. So, yeah. oh man, five minutes. I haven't got the timer out in a while here. Let's get this on. But no, um, yeah, let's. So, Killers of the Flower Moon. So, Martin Scorsese. Um, those of you who know the show know me that I'm the. Um, I've been slipping on this guy for a good little bit, and uh, I respect him as a master. I, I really respect what he does when it comes to. Um, Film preservation and obviously his his massive body work speaks for itself. And you know there are masterpieces on the man's slate, and there's no arguing that. Um, but at some point, at some point, I've reached where the last couple of movies where it just he just doesn't have it anymore. And it's not so much doesn't have it anymore. I mean, he still makes very artful things, but he either just can't trim the fluff, can't get out of his own way, or why do these things have to cost what they cost? Because then it turns into this big fight about. You know, I need $155 million to make The Irishman. I need $200 million to make Killers of Flower Moon. And then that's the guy that wants to come out and bitch about movies that are big budgeted and ruining cinema. I hate to tell him this, but your movies are ruining cinema too, Marty. And um, this is going to be one of those where it just, people are going to get all wound up for this movie uh, that it means something, that it is something, that it's based on a very good book, a book I haven't read. So I kind of was hoping to go into this movie, like, hey, almost in a sell me this pen level of like, you know, I, I don't know your book. I don't know the, you know, I don't know a ton of the history that goes with the Osage County stuff or the Osage country stuff, but you know what? In a movie, dazzle me, Marty, sell me this pen. And this movie did not do that for me. I got out of the film, uh, three hours and 27 minutes later, there are obviously are big actors and doing amazing. I don't even say amazing work. Um, but you have big actors here who are, who are showy and trying their things. And uh, Lily Gladstone is there as a respected indie actress who is is this is easily the plumbest part of her career from doing 
little little Kelly Riker movies and shit like that. So to see her get a spot at the table and her name on the poster is a big deal. It's the two people above her name on the poster that just, I don't want to say mail it in because I mean, De Niro has been mailing it in way worse than he has in a movie like this. Like he's really trying. Um, Is he just whispering and foreboding things for three hours? Yeah. Um, Is Leo just kind of putting on this frown face? Don't go full retard half moment of a character design and then maybe getting a chance to shop for two, two, two chances. Yeah. And that's it. And then as the teacher here, I kind of that guy that step back and go, all right, what is the real story here? If the real story is the oppression of what is done to these women and obviously the oppression is what is done to these people. Is there a movie that's coming out to here to say something about that? Be a message movie. This is Martin Scorsese. He is a firebrand. He's meant to do these things. But we have Scorsese with this grand story where you can really put the hero in a certain place uh, or at least put the focus and put the attention, put the care in a certain place. And you don't. We watch another crime movie that just happens to have 10 gallon hats instead of fedoras um, or bad hair, you know, from the 80s. And I've seen that before. And I just and, and if I'm watching if I'm watching three hours just to see if Leo and and Bob are going to get away with it, I don't care i came out of this movie watched did my little tiktok for the first time since may and my line was i watch it and i just don't give a fuck i just don't um is it artfully done sure um i like i was into the robbie robertson music like he's got a little ominous guitar beat thing going on that kind of pulses the scene differently than it would be with a little bit of blues riff here a little harmonica there and and it's uh it floats the movie in a place that would normally be just dead as a doornail so there's a pulse here but I and I'm going to say this in my review, there's the pulse of that movie is really nice because you got one. But at the same time, when you're watching this movie, that guitar in the background never quickens. Maybe a little piece of here will come up. Like I said, a harmonica, a drum, maybe a glide of strings or something like that. But that guitar doesn't move its beat. And it's a cool, ominous, low beat. But guess what? That's also microcosm for the movie, because that little plucked metronome that Robbie Robertson's doing just matches the placidness of the movie. Um, and I, I say this line in my review, I haven't published it yet, but I'm just going to say it here. Uh, I said, no matter what heinous deception, jarring murder, or well-appointed finery appears on screen, very little in the film intensifies or accelerates beyond that methodical drowning dirge. And I feel like that's this movie. It just, it is a big, effusive, grand-looking thing that doesn't do justice to what it's trying to do and has actors that, and I've never seen Leo mail it in, but this is the closest to me I've seen him mail it in, where he's like, I'm just going to be Leo, I'm going to grunt a few things, and I'm going to think I'm good looking enough to get through this crime story. I'm happy to go see the plays a villain, but I don't, again, I get to the end of it, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I had I was on mute. I was chuckling, so I was enjoying it. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'll start. I mean, I don't even know where I can go in five minutes, but what you bring up about, I'm going to, I'm going to directly reply to, to your review is when you bring up, you know, saying that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is never going to mail it in, you know, or De Niro isn't going to necessarily mail it in, but they're going to, they're just going to kind of go with the flow, you know, just kind of yeah. do their thing. There's, there's no, exceptional there's nothing that rises above what you would 
get from them on their best days, you know? And I, and I think that that is where the problem is with a film like this and, and with the commentary surrounding and everything is that, like you said, uh, Marty wants to kind of have it both ways. He wants to kind of sit on the, the throne of cinema as the ultimate curator of it and say, this is cinema, this is not, this is cinema, this is not. Uh, but then kind of say, well, hey, I've got Leo and Bobby in my movie, so therefore it's automatically going to be good. It's it's kind of like uh, you know a team that has some amazing superstars on it, but they don't try because they think it's already in the bag. You know, uh, it's already the championship's already booked, and they've already got the, the trophy with their names engraved on it. But I think sometimes you got to forget the work. Now, I'm not saying Scorsese doesn't put in work in this. I mean. Like I said, it's a handsome production. It's a handsome production. It looks fine. It's obviously shot well. Um, but you also get the impression of someone that is kind of floating off of name value and the stars and just hoping that that equals the championship. And who knows? Because according to the, the fans or the sycophants or whatever you want to call them, you know, I, this is already, even the ones that haven't seen it, a masterpiece in the making, you know? There's such a reverence to this that bothers me because we're, we're, we already live in a very, we've talked about this on the show many times. We already kind of live in a culture where everything is the greatest thing ever, or the worst thing ever. There's no nuance. There's no gray. And unfortunately, when you have uh, a filmmaker of this caliber, of this stature, you know, they get to a certain point where everything they touch is gold. There's no room for flaws. It's the greatest thing ever each time they come out with something. And that's just tough to, it's tough to analyze films that way because if you try to approach it like you and I are as just a film, isolated from the history, isolated from the expectations, you know, you get lambasted as a hater. Or if you're a fan of Marvel like I am, we get told we're brain dead zombies because, you know, we can only like that kind of film. Remember, there's no gray anymore. It's all black and white. You either like Marvel or you like Scorsese. You can't like both. I mean, I know that's a generalization, but unfortunately, that's that's the world we live in right now. And I just think that like, if somebody could take off those rose-colored glasses and just look at the film as it is, you're going to see that it's not really that great of a film. I mean, it's got all the pieces there. You know what I mean? Like, But first of all, it's overly long. You know, we've already complained about the length of movies, but, you know, uh, one thing that I knew was going to come up is uh, off off recording, you know, me and Don and me and my friend Jeff and, and a couple other people, we've talked about how, like, we feel like in the hour and 40 or 45 minutes of past lives, we felt like we lived an entire lifetime with those characters in such a small amount of time. It's economical, it's compact, and and, and films of old used to do that. I mean... Do you think that Scorsese would make Taxi Driver for two hours? Now he'd probably make it four hours long, just like The Irishman or something. There used to be something about getting the story out in a short amount of time that made it powerful and connected with you. You left wanting more. This one, you want to leave about an hour and a half early because you're just like, okay, I, I get the whole point. It's it's very the, the film is very obvious. There's no revolution. There's no rebellion to it. It's very rudimentary basic filmmaking, a story that you can tell what's going to happen, even if you haven't read the book, which I haven't, you can already tell within the first five minutes where this is going and how it's going to go. And there's also so many scenes repeating what we've already seen or know, like the courtroom scenes at the end, 
that you're just just grinding it out. You're just grinding out. And no film, master of cinema or not, should have you checking your watch and going, okay, we get it. Let's move on. So I think there'll be a lot of people out there. Like I said, I can't touch all this in five minutes. I have so many thoughts about this. So I'm not doing a great service to a review of this film, but it's just um, we need to be able to separate the ability to appreciate the masters and be able to criticize them because at some point there's everything is just going to be, like I said, the best ever or the worst ever. We can't live like that anymore, especially when it comes to film criticism. Well done, sir. Well done. No, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please enjoy this short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! Alright, welcome back. Yeah, no, I... I man, I, I can't agree with you more. Um, because... I'm watching it, and and I'm I'm normally a really good person about not checking my watch, but this one I got I about what you said about an hour and a half in, I had time to like wiggle in my seat, detach from the movie, drink a drink, put, take some popcorn, check my watch, readjust the pen in my seat, and like it was <laughs> it was pathetic. Where I'm like I ain't missing shit if I go pee right now. It was it was, and I yep. didn't, but at the same time I, I I'm gonna give him his honest shot. But no, I'm with you. Um. If you if you want this thing, this movie to be something moving and, and not just period piece artifice, you, I'm with you. You got to put something emotional or tangible out there to, you, like you said, either swerve, twist, change, re, you know, revolution. Um, and it can't be just a court case where Brendan Fraser shows up, um, which is nice yeah. to see to see the guy get a plump part in it and a nice bossy part. But no, you're, we're that whole that you're right. That third act where it turns into the courtroom movie or the, or who's going to squeal and get pinched movie. It really does grind to a halt for all the things we already know. Now, I guess that part is there to kind of give, um, Lily Gladstone's character Molly kind of that chance to like heal up and come back and like be there at the end for whatever come up and kind of sort of is coming. Mm. But then even when you get to that, it's the fucking radio show thing that ends it where it's like oh all of your epilogue notes turn into and, and it, as as a as a created as a created scene, it's mm. really well done for like what old radio was. And obviously sure. that's the way people would have absorbed that news back in the day. And I get how as a period level homage that would be to like to storytelling of that time to audience involvement of that time how it's a cute way of doing it but like but but by doing it in the hey johnny like in 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 a radio voice kind of way like any emotional catharsis or even that comeuppance you hope was coming and especially in most of marty's films where like we're not playing um the end of Layla where everyone's on the icebox and fucking dead in the end of the movie. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a movie that just, well, and I hate to compare movies, but I mean, that's how you end a movie with like tie up all your loose ends, make it matter, hit you in the, it hits you between the eyes with how much of it matters. And this one's like, we, you want this to be a big, deep thing. And, and it's taken away, Jack, you know, I like, and, and you well, do a drum yeah. beat vertical shot at the end, which is, I guess meant to be your catharsis afterwards. But like, no, man, take that fucker away in handcuffs. Show that wife slapping him in the face. Like, do something. Something with a little well, bit of perk to it. Let's, I want to touch on Lily Gladstone for sure. Uh, but let me, let me f- talk about what you're 
what you're saying with yeah. this final scene. So obviously we're in spoiler territory. <laughs> if you have yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this goes to part of what I'm talking about about this, um, this culture of like everything is the greatest thing ever made, and yeah. every every, yep. every creative decision is a, a mark of genius. It reminds me of uh, there's a meme out there of about elon musk where mm-hmm. it, it, it says elon musk slams his own dick into the door and then his fans will be like master move sir you are a genius <laughs> yeah this is kind of what it is because there's two problems with this ending i, I hate to talk about the ending first but it, it, it bears right. repeating so like i've read a lot of reviews and and credit to a lot of people that are these masterpiece only people because there was mm-hmm. a few that liked my review and i was kind of impressed that they didn't comment or I, right. I, appreci- I appreciated their uh, ability to not like have a hissy fit about it. Um, yeah. But, you know, somebody was saying something like, well, the ending was that, that they showed the radio show because in the end, the Osage County Indians are, they're an example of, to the average American, uh, a stage show, something to be trivialized and played oh with God. like a radio show. And I was kind of like, no, the reason why it's not that is because a he probably didn't know how to end the movie because yep. he's obviously the movie's already at this point stretching on to its fourth hour, uh-huh. and, and and second, um, there is an egregious laugh worthy cameo uh-huh. by the director himself, yep. and what they call that these days, I've just learned about this because I guess it's kind of a phrase the younger kids are using. But there's something out there these days called main character syndrome, where regardless of what you are doing, you still make it about yourself. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. And Martin Scorsese shows up in this movie, kind of gives this dramatic line reading about how there really were no consequences to what happened uh, in this crime tale. And he says it so seriously, like breaking the fourth wall and looking at you. Oh my that gosh, you're that you're that you can't help but think like okay we get it marty like this yeah. story really affected you and yes we'll give you applause for bringing light to it but yeah you know if if you really wanted to tell this story in an effective way not only would you not appear as the main character at the end of the story but maybe after your first admittedly brilliant 45 minutes where you set up the mm-hmm. Osage Indian community and or Native American community. Sorry if I'm using the wrong word. Uh, and you're setting it up brilliantly, and you're setting up Lily Gladstone as this character that will really be the emotional like thing that pushes us through this movie. Don't right. abandon that for two and a half hours exactly. to focus on the crime stuff. I know this. There's so many issues with this movie, but I guess my main problem is is that it's it's virtually impossible, and maybe this is the marketing genius of okay. Martin Scorsese, but it's virtually impossible to review this movie without his his uh, words being part of the context. It's really hard to, to review this That's movie on its on its own. Yeah, it, it's just really hard because. And this is where I think it leads to the disappointment. There's going to be the sycophants out there, and 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 I, right. I will. I will be full. I will have full disclosure. I put this in my review on Letterboxd as well. I am not innocent of being a sycophant myself. I mean, I've been on this show, you know, when we reviewed Nope, I was like right. refusing to, I was like, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's the genius of Jordan Peele. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Now, the only no. difference is, is Jordan Peele's only made three films. Can I keep right. up that type of like sycoph- sycophantism? Is that? Is that the word? Some, Can I do that for seven I decades? I don't yeah, know. Your question. I don't know. 
So, well, anyways, so I guess my point is, is that there's going to be the people out there that are going to find every move, like the ending radio show and I know. every performance. And this is why I want to talk about Lily Gladstone too, mm-hmm. as this master stroke by, I... uh, by, by yeah. a, a amazing, uh, uh, filmmaker. Um, but unfortunately, because Scorsese himself said, you know, we have to fight back against the current, the current, uh, wave of movies and we have to hit them from both sides and we need to stand our ground. And, and, and I, in the end, after I watched the movie, I went, this is it. This is the rallying cry. This is I what know. we're going to use to fight the quote unquote enemy of current cinema. Come on. Mm-hmm. There's gotta, you got to give me something better than this. So yeah. that's the problem is you, you can't just review it by itself because he's already put it out there as the example of the way to fight back. And unfortunately, yeah. if that's the way to fight back. I don't know what to tell you, man. We got to do better. Yeah, that's that's a tiny little hit against a big old boxing glove. I'm with you. Where um, no, I mean, ch- you know me. Challenge accepted. I'm pretty good in when I write to not not compare it to other movies, and I, I will keep all that shit out of there. I will definitely try to. I will actively try to separate kind of the stances that Marty has taken in terms of what cinema is and what that, and just stay on the movie. But at the same time, um, here on this show, we get to open it up, which I enjoy. And, mm-hmm. and no, and. I, I would love to call what Lily Gladstone does a master stroke, but not mm-hmm. when she's riddled in bed for half the movie, you know, and, and that's a bummer. Yeah. Like now don't get me wrong that if that is indeed the story in the book and that that's where she's, you know, relegated to be, uh, you know, poisoned by her husband and whatnot. Fine. But at the same time, then you got to give her an ending. You know, you got to, now that she's, you know, healing up to come back and, and she sees her man in court, you know, take the fall and whatnot. Then, then yeah, you, she's earned some kind of ending now if i something tells me and that's the thing like something tells me the book doesn't end on a fucking radio show with an epilogue a rushed <laughs> epilogue for four minutes i'm pretty sure things are stretched out and i'm pretty sure um the book probably goes to great lengths to show a little bit more not necessarily forensicness to the crime because we see plenty of murders and killings but like mm. i bet they go a little further into just the indian side to it uh the na- excuse me the native american side to it where we again we I mean, I know these are your big hitters. You, you just spend a whole lot of time watching the schemes and the and the and the ruminations and the plans of uh, Robert De Niro's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's character. But um, you, I, you get like maybe what one or two kind of Indian Council scenes of like how does this reverberating within the community and within the people? You see some people scared that that you know that stuff might happen in their home, especially when the bomb goes off and blows up one home. Like you see a little bit of ancillary worry in the community. You don't see like, and that's not, and it wouldn't be torture porn to show them as broken people. You, it would be, you show them as a concerned community. You show the outcry, you show the effects. You don't show the schemers. I, I feel like I watched, uh, I feel like I watched the hero movie told by the villain's point of view, almost the whole movie. And it is, mm, yeah. well, you know, and, and, I, and I get that that's Marty's wheelhouse. I promise his, promise his, promise his, that's his bag, you know, but um, uh, I just, I, I, somewhere, somewhere, Somewhere in here, there's a better central story that can come from the protagonists or even the historical subjects that matter. And that's where I put my teacher brain on and go, damn, this is just not even, I can't even show this for a lesson of like, oh, what happened here was this. Like, it just doesn't even do that. Um, well, yeah. And I, versus other movies that, that show you the, 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 um, that show you the plight of the oppressed. Like, let's mm-hmm. say it like that. Like, we've had so many other examples that take you into, the plight of the oppressed. Like you have hotel Rwanda, you have any number of movies that just 
give you a character in there in in the conflict in the thick of it uh and that's and even especially a real one and that's the person that's your that's your virgil that's your person who guides you through hell um we don't right, get that right. we get we get the people cooking hell and that's well, no fun that's a, that's not it's not a draw you know and if that's the book fine um but as a movie maybe don't adapt a different book i, I don't know well i i'm gonna, I'm gonna piss off I, I still want to talk about lily gladstone but something Go ahead. Something that you just said reminded me of this. I'm going to piss off a lot of Scorsese fans here because they're really going to be mad about what I'm about to say. Yeah. But I, I've heard a lot of people say, like, you know, this is this is the ultimate crime doesn't pay and criminals are stupid kind of movie. That's kind of like, oh. you know, like because Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio is supposed to be kind of shown as the dim-witted, mm-hmm. you know, does he really know what he's doing kind of thing. It's, first of all, it's not really portrayed that well like that. But that's what a lot no. of people are saying. Now. There's a movie that does this, and I will say does this brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- not only has an amazing pulse to it, where you're kind of wondering every minute, like, how much longer can these idiots get away with it? Yeah. Uh, but also stars actors of perhaps a lesser quality uh, okay. of, of the ones here, and directed by someone who is very much maligned by a lot of people. Have All you right. ever seen the Mark Wahlberg, The Rock, and Anthony Mackie movie, Pain and Gain? I by, haven't, by but Michael I know what Bay. you mean. Yeah, but yes. no, I I've heard what you heard. Where like that is taking you know you've got a dimwit side, but you ride or die, you're with them to the failure end. And yes, I've heard what and, you heard here. And there is, but the thing is, is not only do they portray the criminals in that, which was based on a real life story as well, right, right. Um, not only do they portray um the characters in them as incredibly dumb, mm-hmm. um. And they won't, they're only succeeding by the greatest of luck. But there is not only are you waiting for the comeuppance, but like there are so many events that happen in the film where you are going like, oh shit, did he really do that? Or did he really get away with that? Or like, there's no way he's gonna get away with this, right? Yeah. And and there's such an energy impulse to it, as you can imagine, a lot of Michael Bay films have high energy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm gonna say it straight up, like. Whatever Marty's trying to do here, Michael Bay did it better. And that's that's really going to make somebody mad. But I'm just telling you that this goes to the point is you you can be a master filmmaker, but like you can Uh still make mistakes. Like you can still not tell the story appropriately. Well, you you said, yeah. And you said it about the nuance that's not there in film criticism or even in fandom. Like there, we, you said it there, it's either masterpiece or trash. And people forget that there's a whole bunch of things in between that are two star, three star, four star. Mm-hmm. And you you gave this a two and a half. I'm teetering here trying to write this thing where like two and a, uh, I don't do half. So it's two either the halves. two that makes it rotten or it's the three that makes it fresh. And I'm really leaning on the two. And I'm and I'm at yes. peace with that because yep. a, 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 a two star movie can still look and be wonderfully well made oh my gosh there's sure. like um there are some fantastically made two-star movies that i uh, here toy story 4 the technical quality to make mm, toy story yeah. 4 is amazing you know um i think i even gave um guy richie's aladdin which yes it's not the best disney reimagining by any long sort but my mm. goodness the production designers are working overtime and it looks great like all of the yeah. appointments so to speak accoutrements are all in place like they're supposed to be um but you can do all that but they, as others have said, like that's just artifice. Then where's the rest? And yeah, no, for sure. And that's and, the part. I, and I, and to me, all of those things are nice technical merit boosts. 
But if you don't got a good story that moves people, why do you even go to a movie? So well, well that's and that's why I want to talk about Lily Gladstone because she's kind of the she's the she's the reason why I think this film kind of makes her break a little bit. I'm not putting this on she, her shoulders. She does exactly. Oh no. I'll, I'll I'll help you. She's the saving grace. If not for her, well, I'm bored out of my mind with no one to root for. <clears throat> well, here's the thing. She's she's doing what she's asked to do. Unfortunately, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. and now, that's a, and that's a Marty Scorsese problem too. If we want to go history here, so yeah, she does we're not make go, good women. We, we're gonna go in two directions here with Lily Gladstone. So okay, uh, the first one is um. To, to to make your point about you know the pulse not raising in this movie and having that emotional connection, this character, when you put it on paper, um, I get more emotion about thinking about it than seeing it. And what I mean okay. by that is like if yeah. you wrote down on paper, oh that sister was murdered, oh that sister was murdered, oh that mother died terribly, oh that person was murdered too, like mm-hmm. I should be emotionally annihilated yeah. by I, this I agree. feeling. And you're not. It's just no. it just comes across as like facts on a page, and that's just not that's not Agreed. good storytelling. Because like perfectly, I should be perfectly said, man. Perfectly yeah, said. I should be in her corner, completely furious. Now, here's mm-hmm. the part about not reading the book, which shouldn't matter because a film is a film; it should tell the exactly. story on its own. But here's yep. the problem with maybe not reading the book is I really don't know. I was very confused by her motivations because she seems to be in Leonardo DiCaprio's corner Uh throughout the movie, even in the court scenes where it's very clear he's set up having those sisters killed and stuff. Yeah. And, and she's admitting still to with poisoning him. her his herself. Well, I that can't. was her breaking point. Yeah. It was the poisoning. Finally. You know, yeah. but I'm I'm just kind of like you're sitting in court uh-huh. and this guy, oh yeah, her daughter dies too. Her uh-huh. son dies or whatever. Like it was like, holy shit, like this poor woman. But I'm only thinking that when I put it like in in my head. Like watching the movie, right. I never I never got a feeling of like, oh man, that sucks. Like I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that was another event that happened. Yeah. Um and then the other thing about Lily Gladstone, this goes to the commentary about the greatest thing ever. You, you kind of hinted at it that, you know, because because she's in this production, it's a Scorsese movie, you know, she's going to get some she's going to get some publicity. But when I see the reviews saying, like, she is a revelation and she is this, this and that, not her fault. It's the director's fault yep. and the screenwriter's fault that they didn't give her a lot to work with. She is working with a lot. Or she's working with not that much. She's doing her best. But like, if you ask me, like, is, is this like an Oscar worthy performance or is this yeah. anything like that? I, I can't say yes, because it's very yeah. one, one note and not because of her lack of talent, but because of how it was presented. Mm-hmm. She's like and you said, she yeah. spends two hours of the three and a half hours in bed. And yep. it's, it's like, yeah, you can look sickly. I mean, I guess that's a skill, but like, are you commanding emotional presence? Yeah, so yep. that's, that's the tough part about Lily Gladstone is I'm glad she's going to get some pub from this. She will. And she Gar- seems she's like she- guaranteed Best Supporting Actress and Oscar nominee. Yeah, which like, I've I think they're going to be. It's category fuck. She should be a, she's the lead actress. She might not be the lead total in part, but she's in mm-hmm. more than enough of the movie to be. Well, the, the story, I mean, the crux of the plot revolves around her. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and she is an active participant in the story. It's not like. Yeah. I'm trying to think she's, of something like uh, well, just uh, last year's supporting actress. Them, well, Michelle Williams did the same thing last year, where yeah. she's the lead female character in the movie, 
that many things pivot around, but she got supporting spots for Thaleman. So yeah. that's the other category for artists. You can't be that person and not... Yeah, or here, you look at everything everywhere all at once last year, where Jamie Lee mm-hmm. Curtis and then the daughter, Stephanie Zhu, like, those two are not... It's not, They're not Michelle Yeoh, but they are integral cogs on the side. So Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and... and- and let's let's move on to talk about the other actors. Like you said, you, betcha. We're, you and I are hesitant to say like they're sleepwalking. Um, I'm, but I, I don't want to, but I'm really fucking well, tempted. You know, here, here's the thing, and, and I wish I had a history of this because unfortunately, in the social media age, you know, we don't have receipts for a lot of stuff. I mean, because Leo and Scorsese have been making movies since 2002 together. Uh, they've made one, two, three, four, five, six feature length films. I know they did a short film which I never yeah. saw. And this is De Niro's um, lucky number 10 with with Scorsese. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. I have always been since the beginning very critical not only of Leonardo DiCaprio but mm-hmm. of their partnership. I I don't mm. think I've always kind of felt that Scorsese has kind of hired him does he like him? Of course. Do they seem to be friends and 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 good working partners? Yes, but I I've never yeah. felt with the exception of Shutter Island, which I really love. It's a and good as, Leo part. And, yeah. And it's also the first time, maybe since like Who's Eating Gilbert Grape Grape or something, where I really felt like he ascended to real acting. I mean, mm. I, I really think a lot of people he kind of had the opposite of Pacino. Like okay. you know, Pacino and De Niro, like they've become the screaming like or they've become the caricatures that they're known yeah. for now and they were they they didn't used to be like that but I think a right. lot of people forget that Leo was always the screevy guy like oh. he never he did not have a lot of he did not have a lot of nuance to him and and no. I felt like when they made Shutter Island that was the first time where like Scorsese like toned him back like he doesn't really have his outbursts or anything until mm. until the end and he has yeah. this a, a hugely emotional and very disturbing scene, you know, where he finds like his whole family mm-hmm. dead in the freaking right. lake. And at that moment, I was like, okay, that's good acting. But like mm-hmm. when I look at all the titles, I just want to get your opinion on these because sure. I, I, and and you tell me yours, and then I'll tell you mine when I read these you. off. I'm going to yeah. read you these six. But Gangs of New York, um, he is out. He is younger and therefore and not quite fully formed yet. Where he well, is outmatched and a half by Daniel Day Lewis. Well, given not. Not just Balls him though. Like, what, what, do you, what do you think of the movie though, in general? Oh, see, that's another missed opportunity movie too. And I know, yeah, um, I know the, the the story's there about Miramax fucking with it, and obviously post nine eleven, um, you know, Marty's trying to mix a few more things in there that are maybe necessary. Where, and I there, apparently there's a four hour brilliant cut out there, you know, a, a beyond it. Cameron Diaz is awful in the movie, miscast. Yeah. Um, you. Either you need to let Daniel Day-Lewis kind of cook. Like, I bet the more interesting movie is watching young Daniel Day-Lewis take on Liam Neeson before we ever get to Leo being yes, the young striper coming up. So Yeah, um, I, I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm a missed opportunity on that one, too. I don't think it's a yeah. great movie. Okay, so, that, yeah, so we're yeah. 0 for 1. Aviator. 0 for 1, yeah. Aviator, Um, that's a cool... Well, you're using you're using the Leo the movie star there. And, yes. he, and you're giving him a chance to at least challenge himself where... Obviously, he can play decadent Howard Hughes in his sleep, especially at that age. Um, giving him a challenge of playing weirdo Howard Hughes, he did all right. The flashes are there. Um, it's as a movie, um, it's Scorsese jumping up and doing a. That's like that's the most Spielbergian Scorsese movie I think I've ever yeah. seen. And, and flashing and, and cool, but yes, it's 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 very well done. But again, 
I, I don't know how often you'll like watch it again. It's serviceable. No, no, I've, I, I think it's serviceable. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the Departed. I have strong thoughts on this one. What do you think? I see. This is one of those where I, I side with the film pros. Like you got, you got, you got Scorsese using all of his chops in some new school ways, and you got a cast that top to bottom is really cooking. Uh, and they're, ha- you know, they're they're flashy. They're having a blast. I mean, I I will obviously prefer probably like you the original source movie from hong kong before like the american one elevates things that don't need to be elevated uh and it makes it a little too big and a little too much but it still works and it still dazzles me um because you're getting yeah, some that's... people there playing against type and whatnot i call that one a success and but i know you then say yeah i i'm a big fan of all three of the infernal affairs movies yeah. of which of which the departed takes a greatest hits approach to mm-hmm. they basically take the best parts of all three of those movies and put it into that yeah and when i've seen something that i think is better and i see it remade a lot of people you know like a lot of people lament this is another problem with our film criticism it's like a lot of people lament the whole concept of remakes and redos and stuff like that but yet when nolan makes insomnia or scorsese makes the departed it's fine Exactly. Like to me, someone who's a fan of those original three and thinks they're superior crime films, right? The Departed. The Departed kind of looks like people play acting a better trilogy. So Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan. I know I might be in the minority. It's got a 91 percent Rotten Tomatoes. I know a lot of people love it, but like I particularly, I'm kind of like, you know, Um, Shutter Island. We've already talked about Wolf of Wall Street. See, that's the best I've ever seen, Leo. Period. Like that's him. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah, that's him. Okay. Go, that's okay. everything you've ever could hope that that guy could do. Decadence, mm. p- patheticness, physical acting, comedy, even like yeah. uh, obviously using his charisma to the peak of his, of his. That's the best I've ever seen him act. Okay, so I, and, and I then will... the, now the movie is a despicable movie about. It. It's a movie you're supposed to hate, but damn, is it well done. Um, yeah, so it's a polarized, I... very polarizing movie. But for, for Leo, it's a success. For Scorsese, it's, of course, you're tipping closer to where we see him now of, like, effusiveness. Like, that movie could be half hour shorter, just like all the others, so. Yeah, and that's probably, of all of them, other than Shutter Island, that's probably the one I like the next best. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I I enjoy it. It's a a raucous ride, though I think that some of the morals get a little complicated. I I also feel, I'm not one of these, like, you know, cancel culture, you know, Mm -hmm this this feels inappropriate kind of things but it does you can tell when something feels a little icky oh yeah i kind of feel like the whole margot robbie thing the way the way she is sexualized in that movie feels icky from coming from the fact that leonardo dicaprio is like 27 years older than her and of course he's like in his 70s it just feels a little off like it just feels Mm -hmm. a little pervy um but i I like that one the second but then we have this one so i guess i guess my point is is that since 2002 i've never been a huge fan like i I think somebody else could have played uh almost all of those characters you know like shutter island i think he's Um, perfectly cast wolf of wall street is probably perfectly cast but anyone i think a a, a, a large amount of actors could have played his part in the departed the aviator gangs of new york and killers of the flower moon like i think it's more about the name value yeah i would even and but that's the thing like if marty's going to ask apple for 200 million dollars he needs to he needs to shove a lineup across the table, you know what I mean? And when he says, Hey, I've got Bob and I've got Leo, hey Apple, this is this is gonna sell some tickets. And of course, who are the first two people you put on the poster are those two. I'm surprised mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost surprised there's not more kind of half stars in this movie. Because Brennan Fraser gets a glorified cameo at the end, John Lithgow gets a glorified cameo at the end. Um, but after that, like it's just those two and Lily. 
Um, everyone else, everyone else on the undercard is, you know, either obviously either ethnic performers that don't get a lot of time in big screen movies, right. or they're like, or they're a bunch of little guys Jesse who maybe Clemens for- shows up for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's little guys you'll see maybe along the way. So, no. But in, in terms of just this part, yes, somebody completely different than Robert and Leo could play either of these parts well, and probably yeah. dial it a little stronger because. Like you said, they have to try harder. When you're Leo and you're Robert, you don't have to try that hard. Right. And And I'm sure people are going to challenge us and be like, well, well, who do you think? And I I don't know because I'm not a casting person and I'm not a director. And it's not my job. And it's impossible for me to recreate the film with another, you know, I don't think you you have to go far. I mean, you can go to prestige television. You can't tell me Brian Cranston. Couldn't play the De Niro part. You can't tell me sure, sure. Uh, what, Jen, what is it? Jeremy Strong from Succession uh, in different mm-hmm. movies. Like, he couldn't play the Leo part. You know, like oh sure, sure. It's you, you. There are darker figures who can cast a deeper shadow and do harder character work than a Leo or a this right. this and that's, this age Robert. You know, and that's my problem. Is I, I yeah. the problem with all of these films, with the exception of those two, that I think you and I mutually agree we like shutter island yeah. wall street i think that yeah. it it goes down to name brand over maybe the best choice and yeah. another thing about this movie because we've we've seen it like when you and i have talked about this on social media and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute social media mm-hmm. i'm, I'm going to be putting a kibosh on some of my social media activity at this point but you know we've seen it where it's like well it's got to be good because leo's in it and it's like yeah. you know like no I, we, yeah we've you know me like that. now here's the thing you know that you know uh, what's his face? Austin Butler mm-hmm. has got a lot of crap for not giving up the Elvis accent, right? Well, that's a big storyline, right? Yeah. Like I challenge you to not think that Leo's character in this is kind of a slightly heightened version of Rick Dalton with the accent. Like it's virtually the same voice. See, I mean, oh. I haven't watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood since I saw it in the theater because I yeah. just. Don't like but it. he's kind of oh, got no, no. a little twang, I, but there's a little yeah. sling bladiness to it too. That's, well, that's the thing. Like he, yeah. that's that's what he's combining. He's doing that. He's doing that frumpy Billy Bob frown mm-hmm. with the Dalton with the Dalton hastiness, and that that's it. To Leo, that's ooh, look at me combine two great things together. Like you know, in his eyes, he's he's knocking the ball in the ballpark. Where the rest of us are like, I'm having like Tropic Thunder. Don't go full retard over here. Thoughts like okay, well, mm-hmm. the, he, he's too Billy Bob. You know. Well, I guess the thing is, is because there's some actors like, okay, like a a good example, oddly enough, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, somebody like Brad Pitt, like when Brad Pitt tries to do a voice, he kind of has the similar thing. Like you can't shake. Yeah. Brad's got that voice. He he has that that kind of kind of voice. I don't know how to describe it, but like what he does in like 12 Monkeys and what he does in like a couple of other films where he has to have like an accent. Yeah, um, or even or even Inglorious Bastards, which he's excellent yeah. in. Like he still has, he kind of has that same voice when he puts a voice on. Yeah, you know, that yeah kinda, I agree. I am. A, we're gonna get some Nazi scalps. Yeah. You know, like that kind of yeah. thing. Now, he's got a. He's California cool. You know. Yeah. Now the difference yeah. is, is that unlike a Leo, who has the potential to do it, is that yeah, Brad Pitt has shown that he can completely erase that from his repertoire when he needs to and i think that i think that you know under the right direction now you know me i'm a big once upon a time in hollywood it never bothered Mm. me leo's accent in that or his screaming never bothered me because i feel like tarantino understood the character how he wrote it yeah 
and, and, it, direct, and, and he directed yeah. him well in it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, it's kind of like, okay, we'll do an accent, Leo, and it's like, well, I'll do the same thing. I, I know it's, I know it's weird, but like Leo was like the next Harrison Ford in terms of like, if you watch all of his movies from, I don't know, Titanic on to about Shutter Island, he was always mm-hmm. the guy that was yelling and pointing. He's always yes, like, fuck you, yeah, like pointing, pointing yeah, like Harrison yeah. Ford always it's a points, lot, right? Uh-huh. And but like there was never, I never felt like there was any nuance to maybe in Titanic. No. But there's never really a nuance. Like Brad Pitt knows, like, okay, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I can just be cool. Moneyball, I can just chill. Seven, mm-hmm. I can be stoic. And I only I yeah. only overact, not overact, but I only show my emotions once when it's like, what's in the box? Like yeah, yeah. he he has that voice thing that I think a lot of actors do, but he knows how to tone it down. I think I think I agree. it's tough for Leo to do that. Because I think so too. In the end, I mean uh Wolf of Wall Street, even Wolf of Wall Street. Departed scenes in Aviator, Gangs in New York, and yeah, in this yeah. movie, there's there's that Leo voice, that that those moments of Leo angry, screaming, whatever, uh-huh. and you you're kind of like, okay, I've seen that before, and I think that yep. goes to what you're talking about about like, yeah, they're not mailing it in, but like Scorsese's also not getting anything out of it, yeah, like that's that's I, new or different, yeah. like, and I'll, and I'll say the same thing about De Niro, not that De Niro had to come in here and put a hayseed accent on either, but like, mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, and he's just he's doing the foreboding low low whispered line reading things because mm. you know he, he's a villain hatching plans but and i'm not saying he has to like sharpen an axe and come out swinging with a shouting scene or anything like that but you know a, a little a little something you know a little neil mccauley would be nice a little well, edge like even just a, even even just like a look a threatening uh, he's got a couple threatening parts where he's like, get in the fucking car. Like he's got a moment or two where he's like, wow, he looks serious right now. But at the same time, yeah. 70, whatever year old Robert De Niro just can't look serious anymore. You know, you know, you know Not what? when he's who, doing dirty grandpa, two movies before this, you know, you know and, who would actually be, I feel a better choice. He's in this movie to play that role. Who do you think? Uh, um, he's in this movie. I, you're gonna, you gotta shoot it. I, my brain is I'm a, blank. I'm going to go with John Lithgow. <laughs> He's too I'm gonna go but he could but we but what I'm saying is, yeah, is that the, the he's main, menacing enough yeah one of the main problems of this movie it, and there's many sorry yeah but one of them is that the first scene with de niro you yeah. already know what's going to happen yeah like there's exactly. you you can tell you can tell where the plot's going to go what's going to happen there's no facade because like no. i think if, if they didn't have that scene Right, mm-hmm. and you saw him through the community going, "Oh, I love you guys, and you're so yeah. wonderful." And he's praying and everything. Somebody like John Lithgow, who has the ability to be both frightening and that's like, true, lovable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought of this off the top of my head. So right? Like, no, don't right. come, at, don't come at me, but like, we needed a little subterfuge first. Yeah, but instead, no, you, like, need, they, you need they a swing, yeah. almost like a transformation of like behind closed doors. I'm an really evil motherfucker, and I'm going to show you that I am. And and whereas public public front, you know, it, it, you need that switch, or, or, or a, 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 like you said, a distance, a subterfuge. You're a good word for it. And you're right; a, he's not showing it. Here's a good example: Denzel Washington in Training Day. Okay? Oh, now Here, we're talking. Here's an example because in Training Day, you know that there's something a little off about Alonzo oh, Harris yeah. in that movie. Uh-huh. However, he gives you just enough. Mm-hmm. To think that he's just tough because of the job. Yeah. It, it, it isn't until that masterfully shot scene 
where Antoine Fuqua like covers the top of his face and you can only see his smile. And then he blows the hole through Scott Glenn with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. We are like, Oh no, this fucker's evil. Yeah, like there's, yeah. there's enough of a benefit of the doubt, even yeah. though you know that this guy's violent and he's unpredictable. Yeah. You know, based on the situation he's in with like, you know, these streets are tough and there's lots of drug dealers and all kinds of stuff. Like you're kind of like, and well, then, maybe maybe he has to be this tough. Maybe he has sure. to be kind of ruthless. It, it it isn't until halfway through the movie that you go, oh shit, this dude's serious. Yeah. Like this dude is bad. You know like, what? He's and not. This, yeah. You know. What and I mean? the same thing. And the same thing happens with Leo in this movie. Do you see that much unraveling? I can't believe I'm, I have to. I, I can't believe I have to take my actions this far to please my uncle. By the end of the movie, he's still like no. he the the most the the most emotionally distraught he gets over his actions isn't even his actions is when his kid dies of whooping cough like that's when he finally like cracks like and it's not even like the whooping cough isn't even his actions his fault it just happens to happen when he's in prison dealing with his other actions like where's where's the where's the where's the pushback of like hey you know uncle so-and-so like for De Niro like I know we're trying to get this money and and I'm loyal to you but like where's the torture of I can't I I want to be rich I want to help out and do this but like I can't do this to the woman I love in my family like there's no switch there either there's no fall from grace there's nothing to hang you there and make you go fuck I either I feel bad for him or no this motherfucker deserves every penalty he's getting he just kind of does the Billy Bob Hayseed? I, I really didn't yep. know I was going to go that far, kind of thing. Like, oh, come on. You know, like it's, and again, if that's the history, if that's the actual character, great, good job. But that doesn't exactly make it a compelling movie. Like, all these things could be great in history and be great on a written page. Sure, Maybe sure. this shouldn't be a movie, you know? Well, I never even really believed they had a relationship. Like, same. Uh, the way that, and the I'm way surprised. They- and I'm surprised the women like my first lesson when I get to doing the life lessons in my movie review is, hey, choose better husbands. Like if all of these Indian women know that these white men are marrying them purely to get in on the payroll, don't marry yeah. these fucking men. Like you're already losing the level of ability. Yeah, as it and, is. and I'm sure there's I'm sure the book provides a little bit better explanation. I maybe hope why so. they married them, because, yeah, I happened like, last year. I would like to assume that the women are not just, you know, dumb. Like, you know what I, I mean? Hope like, so. like, there's got to be a reason. Like, maybe there is that security of knowing, okay, well, yeah. we're connected to the white or, family, so we'll always have a connection. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Or show me or show me a good love story with Leo and Lily. Because yeah, all we get is, like, a, a, do- a flirt once, a doting once, a heavy petting session, and a car, and they're married. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing yes. to it. We really share some weird. whiskey and a cigarette, you know? And it, even half even... that whiskey and cigarette is, hey, shut the fuck up and stop talking so we can enjoy this whiskey and cigarette. Like, well, even even the editing, yeah. not only is the editing poor for the length of the movie, but like there's also like transitions in time that are difficult to decipher. Like at one yeah. point I was like, wait, they have three kids? Like I was yeah. like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like stuff like that, that like they take for granted. They just think like, okay, Leo's in the movie. So no, everyone will overlook some of these like things mm-hmm. we're skipping over. Like there was just moments where I was, well, and the other thing too, you and I talked about this off the recording, but like they, Introduce so many characters, especially on the white slash crime side. Yeah, yeah. All these little thugs and underlings. Yeah. Well, and they leave no impression. So that way, like when you're getting to hour four and they're like in the courtroom going, Well, did you murder this person? I'm like, Who is that person again? Yeah, wait, who did he make? Yeah. Is that the is was that the person in the the thing? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the other the other problem too, and I'll connect this to another recent Scorsese film, at least in the last 10 years. 
Yeah. Is when he tells some of these stories, and you can even say this about Wolf of Wall Street too, he ends up kind of um, not glorifying the bad guys, but mm, he is I guess, here. I, well, he is in a way because, like, well, when you, who are the when only people at, getting killed in this movie are the people of color. Like, we're I'm right, not saying well, I, I, I dabbled with the term earlier of like of like violence and torture porn, but like, yeah, you can put that well, stuff guess, on screen a little too, you know. I guess what I mean by this is, so when you watch Silence. Okay. Oh, good I one. Had some, I had some major issues with silence because well, I don't like it, but I see where my, I say good one in terms of the comparison. I feel like you're making yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because the thing about silence is, I think that the heroes of that story are incredibly wrong. I completely and, agree. And yeah, I. That's another I don't give a fuck movie. Like you're saying this profound stuff, and I'm like, just step in the block and repent your sins well, tomorrow it's, it's not just it's not know? just that but what it, what it's doing is it's almost i know he's not doing this on purpose because i know martin scorsese is definitely not a racist and i know i know he's definitely right. not right 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 what he kind of does unwittingly with that movie is say okay these people are so strong in their faith that even these kind of uh you know uh low morality japanese can't kill it out of them you know can't beat yeah. it out of them and torture it out of them and I think what they forget is, is like Japanese were living just fine. Like you didn't have to go in there and force your religion down their throat. Like, right. of course, they're going to be a little bit like iffy if suddenly you're going into all the villages and being like, well, this is the true religion. Yeah, indoctrinating some people. I'd be pissed that's, too. That's what I'm so like it's it's kind of funny because it, in a way it almost others the Japanese in that one by saying they're the bad ones for torturing the Christians. When it's yeah. like maybe the Christians shouldn't have done this shit to begin with. And I agree. This is, this is kind of another one is by by getting the focus away from the Osage and focusing mm-hmm. on the Leos and the De Niro's and stuff, even yeah. if they're trying to portray them as stupid criminals. Yeah, they're sidelining they, the they people still, who matter. They still not only are they sidelining who matters, but they're also just kind of making them look there. You know, there's going to be people out there uh-huh. that are going just like with American Psycho or Fight Club or any of these other movies that are going to be like, well, Robert De Niro is so badass in this movie. And it's like, because oh, he's yeah. so sinister and cold. And it's like, no, he's. Like we should not be focusing so much on him. Like we should be working on bringing him down. You know, he actually played a similar role. Have you ever seen Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke? Yeah, this is that part. Yeah, it it reminds me that. But the thing is, is that in order to really sell De Niro in that movie, like they barely have him in it, and then it's only at the end that you realize that he's the devil. You Mm -hmm. know, like literally the devil. Like he's kind of like this puppet master behind the scenes that you see yeah. here and there and it's ambiguous and frightening and then at the end he's like well i'm the devil and you're like oh well you're like oh literally you're the devil but still it's <laughs> like there's a little bit of like a balance of like uh-huh. like i said there's a little bit of ambiguity there's a little bit of frightenness there's a little bit of uncertainty mm-hmm, unfortunately mm-hmm. with de niro you know immediately yeah. From the first scene he's in, you know exactly how this is going to end up. And it's and it's and for in 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 his performance, even at that, you know, at, at, at least portray the evil that comes with the already obviousness. Like, no, it's just, it's shrugs, frumps, and he's got the same frown too. Like, it, he doesn't put much sizzle into it either, and it doesn't help. Well, and, and there's there's a moment in the film too, um, where I, I got there were some laughs in the audience uh, because there's at one point where there's like this. Uh, is it the He's Mason spanking? Because I'm laughing no, my ass off of that scene. No, not that one. But no, it's like okay. uh, there's like this um, bizarre, like 
moonshiner who also like assassinates people or whatever. Yeah. And there's there's one point where he goes like, I think you're you're going a little too far here, you know, Bobby or whatever is. Uh-huh. And everyone was kind of laughing because it was like it, it just strained credulity because it was just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, he's blowing up houses now. Like, like what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a little silly, but um, I know we're we're getting late, but I hope because we wanted to talk about a lot of other stuff too that. Mitch forgives us on this one, but mm-hmm. I know we'll try to wrap it up, but okay. you know, you know, leading up to this film, I, you know, I, I kind of was struggling a lot because, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I'm not going to lie. This podcast was partially created for my desire to kind of stick up for that's right. Uh, the lack of gatekeeping of, of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm I'm starting to kind of see this as a as a as a battle not only that can't be won but also just not worth fighting for anymore. No, uh, you know you I'm know? starting to get that feeling too. Like we're there, we can do we can do all week. Well, I guess a voice out there doing it is better than none. So, but we're well, we're in this dark minority of like you said nuance where it's not trash and masterpiece. So well, and I'm and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not obviously leaving the show and I'm not like going to not do this, but like I, I feel yeah. like. I, in terms of like my online presence, you know, like in terms of like how I get involved with film discussions, like I'm starting to limit myself a little bit. I'm not going to censor myself necessarily. Yeah. But I it just I just feel like you're not going to fall for the trolls and get into some arguments that aren't just well, just aren't worth it. But, but I hear you. That, but not only that, but it's just like I, I just don't think there's a lot of good faith arguments to be had anymore because and, and, and I want to make yeah. sure I want to make sure that the audience who's listening to this understands like I'm not, I'm not saying, and Don's not saying we're like better than anybody else so that we, we, we just think a little bit differently. I think yeah. than the, 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 yeah. the main, the main, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the narrative that's out there, you know, yeah. we, we were, one of the things we were going to talk about if we did the editorial was, you know, I, I think, and it wasn't just the Scorsese stuff and that the, there's not real cinema out there that, you know, when he, he went on his triple down of it, recently but i think i i think i text you or something mm-hmm. a couple months ago about remember remember the whole quote-unquote controversy that lasted three days about um what's his name uh from uh, Brad, uh bradley cooper you know having oh, the, the nose. nose yeah and i remember i just texted you and i was just like dude i can't do this anymore i can't i just yeah. can't keep up with this i don't want to know about this stuff anymore like i just yeah. want to watch movies and, I think, um, yeah, you know, what I mean, it's just tough. Dude, it's just tough the, out there. The the angle, the, the I think the hardest part for me, uh, to kind of echo where you're coming from and put this together as a team with this is like United Front, you and me, is it's all what's the worst of it to me lately has come out in all of the the pre-release hype and pre-release conjecture and the mm-hmm. like the trailer breakdowns, the overanalyzation of this, the overanalyzation mm-hmm. of this. And every single time one of those things come up, whether it's Bradley Cooper's nose or even the hype for this movie, I'm like, you know what? How about we just fucking wait for the movie? You know, like, well, let, you like, know, like, cause we overjudge over and this is me saying the expectation stuff, but like we get overhyped and oversold a zillion ways from the articles, the support things, the, the controversies, the, the water cooler shit that by the time we get to the movie, We've either heard too much, been been tipped too much, or we care too much about some inconsequential thing that by the time you get to the end of the movie, it just 
it, it, either the movie can't deliver or it didn't matter in the first place and now you're all riled up for nothing yeah like well and this is and and i'll be fully honest with you like yeah i think you've seen this too like I'm not just saying this about like the Scorsese movies and the and the no, Nolan it, movies because, because Marvel too. I, I'm, I'm really getting, tired of the Marvel I'm, hype and DC I'm, hype. I'm me too. Yeah. I, I'm actually. I mean, like this is the first time. I mean, it took about 12 years, <laughs> but yeah, you know, right. I I haven't watched Secret Invasion yet. I'm not excited for the Loki show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see the Marvels because I like the cast, but I'm not like I don't have the same enthusiasm, and and a lot of that yeah. has to do with the narrative either having mm-hmm. to defend it against the people that think it's killing yeah. cinema or or the fact that like people are like praising like blockbuster downfall like you know like yeah. it's it's funny a lot of people will be like well cinemas are dying and it's like well these six marvel movies kind of helped the box office stay afloat and they're like too. well it's not real yeah. and it's like yeah. okay well fine but like it just gets tiring, and then like you said, the the, the trailer breakdowns, the 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 sneaky set photos, the the speculation. I mean, yeah. like here, like, take take, yeah, take Deadpool three, like take Deadpool three. We yeah. all, everyone and their brother knows that Hugh Jackman's in the movie. There's a good chance he's in there for about two and a half minutes just to hype a little thing and probably mm-hmm. die a funny death just for the sake of, you know, you know, ending a timeline and giving you a silly exit just to. Right. To go where that'll those. happen, but yeah, I know yeah, I know. But 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 the fact that we already know way too much about that, yes, lets us already know, like, boy, now we're just it's just it's too much and it's inescapable. And there's a whole bunch of film people who just eat that shit up. And and you're right, it's not about us saying better or better or worse than like, not you and I saying we are better or worse than those people who are fans. Like, if you're into it, you're into it, yeah, but just I don't know, just. Like well, like any diet, take that in moderation, and then and yeah. then act and then act on it again with other people with a, a half a bit of decency. Um, I've gotten in fights with with good friends of this show. Uh, I'll even drop his name here, Aaron White. Aaron White and I have gone on here and every now and then we'll get in a little tissy about something uh, on mm-hmm. social media where um he he says it in a jokey way, but it comes across just so shittily. Is sure, when he sure, sure. he's a guy who goes he'll be he'll be the kind of person on a social media post that'll kind of say well you're wrong and I'm like hey it's and I'll be the quickest one to be like you know what I'll you've never heard me use the word right or wrong because no one ever is we're we're at the end of the day we're we're on this you know we're on the opinion front we're on the how how the movie go for your front and all that and and you know I I just I want don't get me wrong there's moments I want to call people wrong. But I just won't do yeah. that because there's I don't know I just got a, a different level of decency than even on the even in the social media is of busting some balls and and throwing some sarcasm. Yeah, I just can't yeah. go there, you know. Um, well, there's two there's two things. Yeah. It's two things. One of them is it's just making movies not fun anymore. And, oh, and well, two, it, right. It, it it also is making me become someone that I don't necessarily like because like my mm. first instinct now is to either defend or push back. Yeah, and I don't want to be that person. Like I, I, yeah. I really try to fight to be that person that's just like, you know, well, uh, oh, yeah. I, I like, you know, I like it. You know, great. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, there were, I was telling somebody the other day. Uh, somebody commented because I, I put, I put my letterbox review for this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, sure. on there, and someone said, "Oh man, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to go watch it." And I said, "No, no, 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 no. This is just my opinion. Like, yeah. I will never yeah. tell you not to watch a movie. Go watch Same. it. Bitch. Make your own opinion. But mm-hmm. like." But yeah, there's so many lines drawn in the sand now that like I feel like if somebody says and it makes me feel like a dick because like if somebody's some people are doing exactly what I said they were going to do about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like 
yeah. no, no, no offense. I, I'll leave this person nameless, but like, you know, the person who presented our movie in our screening, you know, oh, yeah. they, they had so much reverence. They were just like, and now, yeah, I, and I, now I give you the Scorsese <laughs> picture, you know, and you're just right. like, okay, right. this is a fucking movie. But like, yeah. you know, just like you said, the person that's like, well, it's gotta be good. Cause it's Leo. It's gotta be good. Cause it's Scorsese. Mm-hmm. There's just so much like, I just miss, and I, I'll, I'll feel like a dick if I comment and just be like, well, hey, maybe it's not as great as you think, because then I'm exactly. a dick. Yeah. You know, and but, like, I don't want to be that person. I don't like being no. that person. So, like, I, I just. For me, it's um my my constant line lately has been, yeah, I'll see some somebody post some article about some conjecture, some bullshit, some thing, you know, some hype or some some guesstimation, some clickbait thing. And I'll be like, and I've been lately, I've been like, thanks, I'll wait for the movie. You know, like, oh, but Bradley Cooper's in us. Thanks, I'll wait for the movie. Uh, or, or you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to judge it by the trailer. Thanks away for the movie. You know, like it's, or I like I'm just going to let the movie come to me. Patience. Uh, you know, just and and then yeah, I I know that I'm using a dieting analogy, but like I'm just going to choose a little better what I consume in the pre-hype of things. You know, like I'm not going to watch a zillion yes. trailer breakdowns. I'm going to read an article. Maybe I'll even read the book and movies based on it as a more as a more um fulfilling as a more fulfilling homework to movies than going down the hype. Hype, well, going down the hype time, you know. I, I used to be remember you've always been the no trailer guy, and I I, I, am. I started getting on that train, but I used to tell you the exception is Marvel because I like to watch the trailers, yeah, because it gets me excited. Sure. Now I purposefully like if I see a commercial for the Marvels, I will purposely close my eyes or turn my head. Look at you, because I don't want to see like I'm trying to get something out of what I used to get. I mean, I yeah. know they always haven't been the best, mm-hmm. but like. One of the cool things about like when Endgame came out is they were so concerned about spoilers that like their trailers told you just enough. Like there was they they there was like things that made you look like this is going to be the end of the movie, but it was actually the beginning and all kinds of shit. They, they actually did some smart marketing with that one to the point where you're kind of like, I really don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I mean, you had a yeah. general idea, but now it's just it's it's always. ABC, like they tell you the whole plot. Love, like, Love and Thunder was the first one I really noticed. Yeah. Where I was like, I was like, oh, so this is going to happen in the first act. This is going to uh-huh. happen in the second act, and, and it's starting to ruin things. And I, and I, yeah. I'm already not watching like a lot of trailers for other movies already, so it's not a big deal. But like, I'm not even doing it with Marvel anymore because I'm just trying to savor something. Exactly. I'm trying to capture that feeling that I feels lost now. Yeah, like I, 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 I admit. I admit it's it's a it's a discipline and a regiment for me who is covered in pre-release hype between doing the press thing like they send us trailers with the with the idea of hey could you put this on your socials and all that like I'm covered in trailers but I shake it off wash it off and say no I'm just waiting for the movie uh, it just it, it, it takes it takes some discipline uh, and it's it's and I get it it's not for everybody you know I, I'm not saying it's my I'm not a nun right. trying to abstain from sex in any kind of way but it's just uh yeah it's um. But I tell you what, it's um, as much as it maybe as maybe as much as there maybe is a FOMO here and a FOMO there for an, an event here or a buzzworthy mm-hmm. thing of this. Like mm-hmm. it, I can say this with really good certainty: not seeing a trailer or not getting leaped up into hype, even the hype I I accidentally still get being around enough awards people and critics. Like, sure, it's I have to say this with really good certainty, and it's a good thing to say. It's like the, there's never been a movie that's not delivered be um thanks I to see, no i know what you mean i know what you mean like, yeah. I've, I've never been like i never um a movie's never landed wrong thanks to 
Like I've had movies, like, like, even this movie, like this movie, I didn't watch the show and all that stuff like that. I knew about the book and I just read my homework a little bit here. And I just, well, I said, all right, if this is a story, show it to me. And then, um, but like it, in like, it still came out like I, like it was kind of going to come out in the way that it was with the stars that it was and the story that it was. But like, but like, um, like Pat, like here, I'll give you use your example, past lives. Did you see the trailer well, before seeing? I was just gonna, I was just gonna talk about that. So go ahead and go tell your side, and I'll tell you mine. Go ahead. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I knew it was out there. It had gotten that buzz from the award stuff, and I knew, I, I knew the, I knew the log line premise, and that was enough to be like, oh yeah, yeah, two lifelong friends meet again after many years. I'm in. That's all I need. Um, dazzle yeah. me after that, and then not knowing anything about how they grew up or how they progressed and the passage of time and how that and of course how the movie can swell to the ending and it does like and do so in like an hour and 45 minutes yep. um it's amazing and it's it, it, it i get to be that person that says the volume of movies i watch every i'm by not by by having the discipline i do Every movie is special the first time I see it, even the bad ones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even well, even yeah. even this. I'm gonna two star. I'm gonna two star a Scorsese movie, and it was still special. You know what I mean? Oh, it like, was, I, I mean, I had a blast. Yeah, I had a blast but, watching it, and, and I mean, like and talking with yeah. my friends afterwards and and stuff like mm. that. But let me let me come in on your past lives thing, and then I'll yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead summarize this whole thing so our editor doesn't kill us. But well, no kidding, right? Here, here, here's the here's the two things. There's two major movies that are out right wow. one's out next week or when we record this it's out next week and one is out one is past lives one is killers of the flower moon at mm -hmm. some point because of the machine that is film criticism now i didn't want to see either yeah um past worried, lives, yeah well past lives it was because of the hype i didn't want to get another i've seen movies that i've enjoyed like okay like i was two examples here um, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not being a hipster. Like I saw it before it was popular, but I saw parasite. Yeah. Like, it's I think fun. it was like first run. Like my mom and I were like, Hey, let's go see parasite. I, I've heard a couple of things. Like I heard a couple yeah. of things from, from like markets or whatever, you know, I saw it real early in its release mm -hmm. and I saw it, loved it. Thought it was the best film of the year. And then as the stuff started going, like, I almost don't like the movie anymore because of the hype and everything yeah, around it. I'm now, there too. And everything everywhere all at once yeah, was something that I really should have liked, but yeah. I saw it after all the hype. And then I yeah. was like, really, this is the big deal. So here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, this man. My, this is my whole point about how I'm going to kind of refrain from some type of criticism and just okay. enjoy another one. But like past lives is to me, the number two movie of the year. I have very personal connections, obviously with guardians three. That's still my number one. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that, that one hit me a lot of emotional levels, but past lives really like wrecked me. I still think about it. I almost didn't watch it because of the culture we live in, because it was yeah. so pushed up into this. Now, luckily the art that was given is so good that, that mm -hmm. you, you can't. And I think I waited long enough because it was, it had all this it, hype yeah. when it came out in the festivals. And then when it was released nationwide, which was what, like February, March? Oh, yeah, uh, spring, summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then, spring. like, I I just watched it like two weeks ago, and it's yeah. October, but it, so, but you know now I mean? that like, but now that the big boys are out and post Barbenheimer, everything's calmed down away from past lives, and you can reapproach it now. Yeah, right, and that that was fine. But I almost, I also didn't want to see Killers of the Flower Moon because of all this. Like, I I oh. was just like, you know, it's not worth my time. Ooh. 
to see yeah. it pay for it. Now, luckily, I got paid. And because it was so long, they gave us free popcorn and free drink. Same so for us. Yeah. I didn't have to pay for anything. So that helped. And that's probably the reason why I just gave in and saw it. But like, I really was thinking, despite the fact that it's going to be a major award contender, I almost skipped it. I almost skipped mm-hmm. both of these movies yeah. that are, whether they're good or not, are culturally important to, to the culture. So I guess my point is, is that I'm really tired of what I'm becoming. I'm really tired of not enjoying movies anymore. And I'm really tired of the hype and the, and yeah. the, the culture bringing up or bringing down movies um, to the point where I'm really going to have to start disengaging for a while. I'm going to pull like an mm-hmm. Ian Simmons. Ian Simmons had a superhero moratorium. That's like, right. I, I know this seems extreme, but like there's lots of great people in a lot of our film groups, but I've left all of our film groups like yeah. feeling film uh, podcasting them softly, which is one that I'm in a lot of film groups. I've just left because I'm just like, I can't do it. I just can't because it's, it's always going to be, yep. th- there's always going to be the rhetoric. There's always going to be the hype. There's always going to be whatever. And I just can't do it anymore because I'm just not enjoying myself. I enjoy this. I enjoy this podcast. I enjoy talking about movies with you. I enjoy seeing movies. I love watching movies still to this day. I just like when it comes to new releases, like that's why the last, probably the last year I have really retreated into like just watching shit from the past. I've never seen because I'm just, I can't do I feel like modern film uh, is is being ruined by the culture, the narratives around it, and I just yeah. I gotta I gotta get away with it. I gotta get away from it. If not I, for a while, maybe forever. I don't know. I just can't sure. do it anymore. I'm in um I'm in a tough spot where um obviously this isn't a job per se for me, but at the mm-hmm. same time I'm a frontline guy in a, in a high enough place uh, in terms of enough critic involvement that uh, you know I I, I can't. It'd be, I'd be throwing it all away if I walk away from the new right, release right. train, you know, yeah. and I don't want to do that. And, I, and I've worked too hard to get here to do that, but yes. it is, which yes. is, which is half the reason why I, I try the discipline I do to, to make, make sure that these still matter. And they still, these still, this is still fun for me. That it's never work where right, right. I catch myself. The, the thing that you're doing with like maybe skipping the things that are the hype trains, I've been skipping the, and I, and it's yet it, I've been skipping like the Shazam twos and the blue Beatles and the, mm-hmm. I've been skipping, I've been skipping the, the IP stuff and not in necessarily in a way where like I where um, and it's definitely not in any kind of way to, I'm, I'm going to try to say um, it's not because I'm protesting it or, or because I don't like those movies. I normally really, really like those movies. It's just like, I, I could, it's time spent. Like I only get so many movies a week, you know, or, or time or windows to watch a movie a week, right. but I want to spend it finding a tiny little movie uh, to champion like past lives or whatnot. Or do I want to go to it kind of looking at something that I just, uh, is one, two, two things. One it's a hype train that it just, it's not going to be able to match or do, or two, when it comes to the review side of this, the work part, if you want to call it that for me, that movies, those movies don't need my help. Like, um, like the Shazam two or whatever they, like they don't need one more two and a half star review from me. Like <laughs> I, I, it doesn't move the needle this past week, for example, but while we were recording this, um, I watched in the past two weeks, I've watched two movies that are little indies that people pitched to me. And, um, they ended up being two of the better films I've seen this year. One of them is the only, the second only five star movie I've written this year. And I'm their first reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes. 
And to me, that feels so much better to help those movies than it does to be like front of the line. My review's here first for Killers of the Flower Moon. I, yeah. I, I feel so much better that I can that I get to do that part as much as I get the access to the big stuff. Um, it's yeah. been like I just have to choose my spots to to I don't know, not necessarily answer the hype, but just join the hype, I guess. Um, well, it's, and yeah. I wish I wish. But I'll also say this, just to jump in, uh, uh, I will say this, like, I would love for all of this, every now and then I I tell my wife, I tell even Aaron White, people around here, uh, like friends I trust even in this biz, so to speak. I said, if I could take a year off and just watch old movies, just to catch up on the acumen, catch up on all the blind spots, take a deep dive like you do on and just bone up all my history and study. Not that I don't have a lot, but I I have so many holes where... Like if I can just take a year and do the thousand movies to see before you die, like just and, and yeah. that, you know finish all the circles, knock out all the lists on Letterbox. Like I know I would be a better viewer and fan for it. I know I'd be a better writer for it. Um, I would love to take a year off like that, but I can't because then you you kind of give it your spot. And you yeah, you're in, a, away, you're so. in a tough position because like, I am. Yeah, you, you, you are you know and and you've worked hard for that. I, I've sort of tried on that level, yeah. and I just it's not for me and. Yeah. So I, I do have a little bit more luxury of of having more movie freedom, I guess you could say. Um, and I also do have the ability to make that choice to be like, okay, I'm going to disengage from a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a change because you know I have friends on social media that post things about movies and stuff, but I literally just have to kind of start ignoring them, not the friends, but just ignore those posts and stuff because I don't want to get pulled into that yeah it's it's just it's just time for it's time for a break it's time to like enjoy movies again like really mm-hmm. you know i wish it was like tv culture because oh good there, one there, there are you so never hear many... those people you never hear those people hyping each other up you don't hear a lot of gatekeeping on tv it's no pretty, because it's, it's pretty so in place yeah it's so widespread and niche now that i mean there's so yeah. like there are shows i've never heard like Name. people are you know what i mean like so no one has time to be like, yeah, well, Cheers sucked. Yeah, exactly. you know, like yeah. this is a real TV show. It's like no, like this is. You know, I think the accepted. only time I think the only time it comes into play is something like the Frasier uh, spinoff, mm. where it's sure. like, okay, well, you you have to kind of compare it to yeah. Frasier, which also was compared to Cheers at the time it became its own thing. But that's really the only time I ever see anything somewhat divisive. I mean, other than I that, it's it. just like. I you see it when it's I see it when it's, em, when it's Emmy time and like the same. Oh really? I don't pay Yeah, like, that, like well, I mean, like the same like four buzzworthy water cooler shows just sweep all the nominees. Like, yeah, what, what, like, that's you know, true. Ted, like when Ted Lasso or Abbott Elementary are the only things that can ever be considered the best comedy, at least the last and, couple and, years. And then and, like and, Succession and like the the big dog shows. Like, you see those things where like Game of Thrones will get like twenty seven nominations, where it's top heavy. Um, or, or well, is you, yeah, you got, that's it, true. It, it bleeds I, over too. It bleeds yeah. over because I remember when WandaVision came out, which I think is a really good series. I don't think it's great. I think yeah. it's really good. You know, I got 24 Emmy nominations and I do remember exactly. like people yeah. coming over and being like, well, that's not a real show. It's Marvel. But, like, and but for like, how deep, okay. <laughs> but for how, but for how deep television is, you can tell there's a, yes. there's tier, there's tiers, a hierarchy, a pecking order. Like if you're big and, and the weird thing is like, we've reached a point, a point where, 
good old-fashioned broadcast television, which used to be the only bread and butter on the block until yep. cable really got big, is completely marginalized. Like, if you're not a prestige cable show, yep. you're not getting Emmy nominations unless you're really, really, really special on a broadcast television network like you, well, like shows and used you to be. Can, and, like, This Is Us was, like, the last one. Well, yeah, and you can like, see that. You can see that with something like Grey's Anatomy, which is, like, in its 18th year or something. Yeah. And that, show, just, that show used to get a lot of nominations, and now sure it's did. just an afterthought. You're like, yeah. But I guess did the it, point did is it get worse, or did just more things get better around think, it, or just choices change? You know? I think it's a mixture of all kinds. It's, I think it's a, yeah. the landscape change. 18 years is a long time in, in That's TV. That's true. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I think that um, the other thing with movies is a lot of it's inescapable. Like, everybody knows about Oppenheimer and Barbie, whether they saw the movies oh, or not. You're right. Like, like they're, they're such a major force of pop culture especially post uh mm-hmm. you know post covid post yeah. uh you know uh what, what do they call it um you're, not you're indoctrination there. what's the what's the word i'm thinking of when we all uh when we had to inoculation stay inside. no yeah. we had to stay inside I, what was oh, that called I, uh, isolation isolation yeah isolation and it, it just feels like it feels like you can't escape it. Like Marvel's kind of become a catch-all for the big budget blockbuster. Like uh, they they're and, taking the brunt. Yeah, and you know you know who you know uh, Oppenheimer is. You know who Barbie is. Like it's harder to escape the movie culture. Like I said, I'm not a huge mm-hmm. Game of Thrones fan after what happened uh, with the show, but like I don't sit there and I don't see people like getting on social media going. Uh, you know, whatever the new show is called, uh, the dragons. Well, whatever the fuck, I don't see them going yeah. like this is the greatest television. Oh, Remember no, no, how great it was. Yeah, like, it people, are, yeah. people are just in their corner enjoying their show, exactly. And you're in your corner enjoying your show for the most yeah. part. And it's like, it's, okay, let's no, do you're that. right. No, <laughs> no, you're right. Movies, movies forever. Like that, I mean. Everyone, you we've talked to this story and other people have relayed this where like, you know, TV was supposed to kill movies 70 years ago and it didn't. And here's why, because everything about movies still and still is now, then and always will be bigger than anything you do in a TV show. A TV show might have long form storytelling to knock out and do some great things, but like it's still something you just watch in a little box in your house, even if it's an 80 inch plasma box, whatever. But um, it none of that, like there's no. There are some TV shows that have some production values that can rival themselves with a movie, but oh, sure. from a from a spectacle standpoint, the right two hour big goddamn movie still just hits you from an experience, an emotional, and a and a sensory standpoint greater than any TV show will ever dream of being able to do. When you're watching yeah. Barbie and that screen is filled with the singing and the dancing and the comedy, when you're watching Oppenheimer and the and the and the drama is is in your face and loud and the sound design's banging like tv can't do that and never yep. will so yep. that's i mean when you say and then for and i guess that's probably why movies are always then going to get a higher and more prissy uh, pedestal in which they are either placed upon or judged upon because they're bigger they matter more their awards are more popular their stars are bigger like i know tv's again tv to me is winning right now completely when it comes to like quality and storytelling and all the things like sure. movies have uh, movies have become you know big fish eating only and that's all right because it, it's still working in you know what those are the things that make good movies the spectacle wins you know like but at the same time man it's um I mean, movie movies will always beat television in that way and that's why i, I and maybe that's why the care level's higher the vitriol's higher it, mm. it's unfortunate that it should be that way like we yeah. should be able to just go to a corner and watch it the way we do uh, a tv show but 
not when I guess all the corners are. And I, I can see then why the cinephiles complain. Like when when the corners are taken up by the same four movies dominating a twenty film, a twenty screen house. Like, yeah, I can't watch. I can't go to my little corner and watch an indie because six screens have Avengers or Ant Man three or whatever. Like, I get that argument, but um, just look a little. For, I mean, I and I know small towns can't compete with. I'm in a big city where if you want an art house film, you know where to find an art house film. Like they're not dead here, yeah, but oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe, and, in, and, but in mom pop places where your mall, your, your typical good old fashioned mall, eight screen theater used to have five big hitters, two older ones. And then one, one little chancer that was an indie, you know, like it was goodwill hunting. Yep. It was whatever it was. It was a Miramax <laughs> movie. Um, well, you're right. To, those, days gone, those days are gone in middle America and small town America. And that does suck. But then, 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 Hey, here comes streaming. Here comes Netflix. Like they're still really good independent cinema to me that is very easy to find you just have oh, to look yeah. a little harder you know well and and i think and we'll we could probably end on this but yeah the best way to describe it is the answer to the you know the avengers being in six theaters and your independent film being shown the answer to it is not to make a 200 million dollar three hour and 40 minute film with bad storytelling like killers uh, of the flower yeah yeah <laughs> that's I mean, not the answer now there's that's the, the irishman <laughs> no, like, and, and I, and I, I mean, other than the period detail and you could tell there, there's a good chance he built a shit ton of sets sure. and obviously found a lot of like costumes and whatnot. But like, I, I don't see $200 million on that screen. Oh, I, I mean, we've watched, um, I'm trying to think of like little small, like you find a smart location, you find a smart Western or here you go even grander. I just saw, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I saw it and we put a kitty and I put a show on it. The creator which goes to 80 different filming locations in Southeast Asia has masterful special effects. Then it costs $80 million. If yep. killers of the flower moon costs $80 million, that movie has a chance. If it caught a little Oppenheimer bug at like making actual money to justify, I don't want to say, uh, I know I'm going to, I almost finished the sentence to say, justify the art. The man should be able to make what he wants to make, but then he can't be the same guy that cries poor when it doesn't score. And that's where, yeah. and I, I've, I know if you said the hype on this show too many times where it's a business first and art exposition second, but it, it is, yeah. and it, it's, it takes money to make this shit and it takes, and a, you have to make money. A, it takes a good filmmaker to make the two seem, uh, yeah. equal because I mean, Spielberg or is one of mine, even if you just want to keep a business relationship, like. Yeah. Netflix will, Netflix will, I mean, I know he's 80 something years old, but Netflix will never hire him back if they took the haircut they did on uh, on on the Irishman. Paramount's not going to hire him back as the, the haircut that he took in silence. Like, at some point, you're just mm. bad for business, no matter how fucking good of an artist you are. So, yeah, make, and, and make I, it, if you want to keep making your art, make the two match or be shrewder or smarter with your choices. Like, work, work, work within the system. I know well, you yeah, shouldn't have I, to. You shouldn't have to. I get it, but if you shouldn't have to, then you need to give it away for free. And maybe by putting it in an apple, you are giving it away for free because <laughs> they're going to make no money in two weeks. Here, they're going to get well, trounced by Taylor fucking Swift. I, I, I think of two different people that are on both sides of the spectrum. I think of like a master storyteller like Spielberg, who yeah knows how Gets to it. work in yeah. the business, make Absolutely. something that will make money. But all I mean, at least back in the old days, I mean, he's suffering yeah. a little bit like Scorsese in, in a way, a like little bit side and Fablemans and yeah. stuff, not making any money. But I mean, like he would know how to make a movie that was profitable, but also incredibly artistic and creative. Mm -hmm. Balance it. I also think of somebody like a David Lynch, right? Who's never yeah. made a movie that's made a profit. I don't think, other than like, like Mulholland Drive, maybe made mm -hmm. some money. Um, yeah. But um, 
he's purely just for the art of it. Now, the difference, mm-hmm. though, is that like a lot of like, especially like foreign distributors just want to have a David Lynch film in their yeah. in their reservoir. Yep. But also his uh, movies, his movies are only going to cost like five million dollars or ten million dollars. Exactly. They're not going to cost two hundred million. I know Apple's going to find out real hard how much that cachet doesn't mean shit, even in a Barbenheimer year. Like, oh, it's well, going mean, to it's it's gonna fall flat in its face. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. Even just, somebody like uh, a Spielberg, you know, I mean, I, I don't, what was West Side Story? 80 million? Probably wasn't yeah. too much, right? That's but, not you know, too bad. They, they tried to market, and obviously COVID comes into play a little bit with it too, but. Yep. You know, they try to market it as, as this is Spielberg back to being Spielberg and you got to go see it. And that's just not enough anymore. The name, yeah. the name value is enough. I think that's our main thesis of this whole show and this movie is that you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, no, well, you can't. I need cinema to be this way, but I'm also Martin Scorsese and I expect a certain amount of money and a certain amount of actors and a certain yeah. amount of this when that's just not the playing field anymore. Yep. It, 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 he would never get the pushback he's getting right now. If he was, if he was David Lynch making, you know, uh, Hey, like if he was that guy saying, I'm just trying to make my $45 million dream, little opus, uh, my, my career summation, whatever you want to call it. Um, if he was, if that was happening and he could, and studios wouldn't give that guy $45 million to make a movie, $55 million, fuck a hundred million dollars to make a movie. We would probably lock our arms and go, you know what? Hey, give the man some money. He's going to make you something good. Yep. You probably yep. have a chance of making a profit back. But when you come to the table and you're asking for a buck 55 or you're asking for two hundo, what the fuck? Like who are you? That's a, that's swinging a lot of cash in home for a lot of things. I, think, I, I, think, I yeah. think unfortunately it's like an addiction though, because it has um, to be at this point. Cause, like, Cause George Lucas himself you know, he he was saying for twenty years, like he's like, well, once I finish Star Wars, which of course cost trillions of dollars to make, of course, you know the prequels and stuff. Like once I'm yeah. done with Star Wars, I want to get back to the low budget, little sci-fi thrillers. You know, little little low budget thrillers that I always want to make. He never did it. That's you know, true. like even I think I I brought this up on the show before. Like even someone who revolutionized independent cinema, like a John Waters, who would make films yeah. for like like. Uh, ten thousand dollars or a robert rodriguez yeah. who, would make a, who would make a film for twelve thousand dollars like even they're like well i can't work with anything under 15 million you know it's oh, like no. there's yeah. kind of a it, there's I an call addiction it, to it you know what i mean i call i call it the flaming young buffet like he's got he he's like i need he's like if i'm gonna make my movie it's got to be whatever it's got to be perfect it has to be all the appointments of this all the accoutrements of this all the detail of this like yeah, and it, it, it work with my best people, pay my best people. Now, if all of that money, if two hundred million dollars is going to paying your crew the best wages of their life, good man. But at the same, sure, sure. there's a chance. Chances are it's not. Chances are it's the flaming young buffet. And like, hey, like, learn you somewhere you used to be shooter. You're rougher. I mean, you came from New Hollywood in the seventies where you had to beg, scrap, and you know, bite, scratch, and steal to make these movies. What happened to that spirit? You know, and well, and I think or, or, perfect. It's like this movie, and, and Marvel has this problem too. Once they had success, I, yes, they do. Is, Those budgets and, are out of hand right now. Like, not only are the budgets out of hand, but like, there's something when when we talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Like I said, there's no risk involved. It's very rudimentary, basic storytelling, in, in the sense of like the plot. Yeah. Like they're they're hitting all the gaps of what they should be doing with that budget or with that, whatever, like they're just, they're not pushing any envelopes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and 
that's why um, I tend to end up when I look at like my favorite directors of all time, I tend to, I worry about this with Jordan Peele, but like I tend to, to go to the Rob zombies or the John waters and the things like that, because they got beat by the studio system. They didn't want to make Mm -hmm. their movies, take those risks anymore. And they make their stuff on their own and kind of just make these things that are still pushing envelopes and being radical and sometimes make our success based on word of mouth. Kevin Smith kind of went that way too. He's like, you know what? I just want to make the movies I want to make. If Miramax yeah. or New Line or whatever doesn't want to make my yeah. movies anymore, that's fine. I'll make them on my own. I'll get yeah. my own budgets. Look at um, look at Rodriguez. Look at Soderbergh. They're still doing it, even to this day, twenty years well, after. I was going to say Soderbergh's yeah. a great example because, like, he'll great be like, he'll he'll make a studio film like an Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven, Twelve, or Thirteen, or whatever, and then he'll just be like, you know what? I'm just going to film a movie like in an insane asylum or like yeah. for with on an, on an Apple iPhone for yeah. For like four days. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, he just, he, it's like those guys are the ones that are really fighting for that. You know, like, like for me, like, I, I bring I'll up even, yeah, dare I, dare I even say another person who is going to turn into Spielberg because of the same way the Fleming Young Buffet is coming into play and already talking about cinema and whatnot. It's Christopher fucking Nolan is mm. like two steps and two decades away from turning into this same crotchety asshole man. Yet, his movie, luckily, his movies are delivering in the goods. Like he's making money, but at some point, one of his little artsy things that isn't quite all spectacle isn't going to make enough money back, and he's going to cry poor. It was almost tenant, but now that Barbenheimer has given him new lights for life, I mean, he's bought ten years now. But I mean, someday, mark my words, the wrong the the wrong thing of his will just be fair to Midland. And maybe the audiences will finally pick up on it being fair to Midland. And then he's like, well, what the fuck happened? They're like, well, sometimes cachet has gone, old man. You know? Well, and also we, we live in an era now where the, the names, the name brands, like the names, the Nolans, the Scorseses, yeah. the Spielbergs, very few of them. Nolan is probably one of the few. I think Pete, Jordan Peele's in there right now because he can still he's, sell yeah. stuff off his name. Yeah. But that stuff really only matters to that film narrative people, the film social media. Like that doesn't matter to the general public anymore. Like no. that's what I'm saying. Is Spielberg has a couple of flops now. Scorsese's gonna have a bunch of flops in a row. Ford Coppola hasn't had a successful film since the nineties. You know, that's like right. it's there's just a lot of people that it just name brands don't matter. Like nobody goes to the movies anymore to be like, Oh, I'm gonna go see the new Spielberg. You know, like no yeah. it's yeah. very, very rare. I think people I think and some of it comes down to advertising. I think a lot of people. Well, you, you we've ne- got shitty ne- advertising too, and we're now we're well, circling back to yes, the shitty hype engine too. I guess, but remember, like when whenever a new Nolan movie comes out, they don't they they always say first from the director of The Dark Knight. They never oh, say oh from yep. the director of Memento and The no, Prestige. They no, sure, they go nope. Dark Knight first yeah. because, and that's why he's successful. I think is because people go like, oh, he made that Dark Knight. I love that. He's a he's a good director. Plus, he has a name value. He has mm-hmm. a, a style that I think has permeated into yeah. the cultural yeah. consciousness. But and he's like, got enough. He's got enough hits outside. I know Batman made him a main man from a public standpoint, and even from a cinephile standpoint. Sure. Like, and he's got enough hits now away from Batman that oh, he's yeah, yeah. he's probably fine. Where Batman just happens to be the cherry on top. Um, it's, yes. it's as if Spielberg didn't make like Spielberg made all the movies he made. But imagine if he didn't make Jurassic Park, like he'd still be Steven goddamn Spielberg. Like oh, yeah. well, he, he happened, made, but, uh... he all, but he also <laughs> happens to have this, you know? So like, and or he also happens, like, 
I don't even take Indiana Jones away from, but take away. Well, I would take Indiana Jones. Take away something that there's three of. Even if even if Stephen didn't make Indiana Jones, now I know eighty one and Raiders of the Lost Ark is you know crucial to him breaking in the way he did, sure. but sure. a year after he had ET and he was fine. So like <laughs> he'd still be Stephen Goddamn Spielberg without Indiana Jones, and and Christopher sure. Nolan would probably still be Christopher Nolan without Batman. Uh, but yes. so he's good enough to rise above that hype. I don't know if does Scorsese have that like. If he's not making a crime movie, do people give a shit? Because um, this is a crime movie, well, maybe maybe people give a shit. Are you saying like if you took away Goodfellas, would he have? Well, no, he's got like, no, no, no. His resume is solid. I mean, he's got ten straight yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. bangers. So, but um, but like, uh, he's just. I know his, his diversity is there. I shouldn't say his diversity is not there. He's doing. Yeah, he definitely he's doing, has. Yeah, yeah he's, he's 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 put out stuff. Yeah, that that is something know. that I, that's something I agree with the Scorsese sycophants. Yeah, is that yeah. The Marvel sycophants will go out there and be like, "Oh, he makes crime talking. movies." Now that's not true. That is definitely oh, not he, true. Yeah, and he's making documentaries. He's making music videos. He's done yeah. it all. He's yeah. he's he's made some great um, music videos. He made the the bad yeah. Michael Jackson right? bad video with Wesley Snipes is awesome. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, like, and that's the thing is, I also don't subscribe to this theory that like. It, this this applies with everything with music with okay. with uh tv uh with movies everything like there there always seems to be this theory that like the best stuff is always in the past and it only gets worse you know what i mean like ooh I, good point i, yeah. I think that that happens a lot too uh oh, because we're, we're now, like look at the recency bias of now anything that's yeah. 5 years old sucks or you, you, it had gotten so popular, like you said, with some of this hype, like Parasite. It's gotten so popular that now it's not cool to still like that or respect that because you have to now like this new thing. Now, or, or I will not, say yeah. this, though. Yeah. I will say this, though. This is one of the things that I will miss frequenting film criticism and film commentary and film Twitter and all that shit. Yeah. Is the reappraisals. I do enjoy that because I do yeah. think yeah. the film community does a great job of saying, like, Hey, remember this film from 20 years ago that we all said sucked? It's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's ones that are just not salvageable that people try to fight for. But I really do enjoy when people kind of – because I think, um, you know, I, I learned from my mentor in college who, who taught me Shakespeare, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, like, he said like King Lear is a great play, but it's different when you're 20. Read it again when you're 30, when you're 40, yep. when you're 50, when you're 60. It's going to change for you. Well, that's what I'm going to tell. I can't wait to tell these fucking millennials in 20 years when I'm old and they're middle-aged. Like, hey, remember that thing you thought was the best fucking thing ever? How's it look now? Like, because that's me. Yep. Si- like, because there's some 90s movies where I'm like, here, my example is always Austin Powers. Like, sure. I, sure. when I, when you're 18 to 21, Austin Powers is the funniest fucking guy in the world. You know, poking all the bear, do, poking all the bears, doing all the, the, the spoofs and the jokes. And Mike Myers coming off of Saturday Night Live, like, I, I, you know, it, or you take I'll defend or, that one a little bit. The sequels, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first one is a pretty it's nice, like, but like pretty even, smart send up of but James even, Bond. But yeah, even oh. the reappraisals of like the sex comedies of the nineties, like American Pie, old school, even Wedding Crashers is kind of like those are two guys that are you know profiling women to get laid at a wedding. We could never do that today. So right. something tells me, and I, it, no, it, it's not something tells me. It will happen in twenty years. 
this all these crowds of people who are like t- parasite or otherwise take the next take the hype machine of whatever thing you want to lay, lay on the wheel on in 20 years i want to see the reappraisals of you know what that thing we all loved back then it's not that good or hey it was just this good like come back down to four three oh, and sure. two yeah, you know, yeah I want, absolutely. I want to see the reappraisals that go that way instead of I. I don't get me wrong. I'm I love championing the reappraisals that go from a middling movie to a great movie that has that has secured a legacy with time. Um, but I always fight these millennials now who are like, you know, because I I keep telling people who I get in arguments with on Facebook like, hey, wait twenty years, see if it's still the fucking masterpiece you think it is. Like, take Dunkirk. Dunkirk was what six years ago. Is it still the masterpiece you think it is, or are you swinging on, Bar- on Oppenheimer's nuts right now? Well, it's, like, it's like, getting like, even step worse. Back, step back and like get let let them seal a legacy. It's not that the and their argument is always like, well, that doesn't mean the movie ever got better or worse because the movie's still the movie. It's still the, the way it was shot. The way it was like, yeah, that's fine. But maybe society, the look of it changes. Maybe the craft of it bends around it. Maybe the bar of which is good shifts and moves a little bit with the quality of the the continuing medium of cinema. Yeah, like or, or, or template. Somebody can create a template for a movie. Yeah, I mean, we we see and make it better. Like it's and that's okay yeah. because somebody oh, yeah. forged a path to yeah. make a better type of like we've seen right. it not work. Like everyone knows there's like the Tarantino film and then the Tarantino mm-hmm. ripoffs, right? But oh no! Like what, what happens when a great classic gets passed? Like hey, like for example, Gone with the Wind. Like for his day, yes, the epic of all epics, an American story, all the this and that. We've mm-hmm. made better versions of that since that, and, yes. and, and not that it hasn't taken away Gone with the Wind. It's still the time capsule gets to be, but like we've improved upon it, and the medium improves yep. every day. So you're the hey millennial, your little best thing ever now is not going to be the best thing ever, even a fucking year from now, or, or even just hey sleep on it for a night before you post on Letterbox, like. <laughs> Give it 24 goddamn hours. Give it two weeks of box office. Then let's call it the greatest thing in the world. Or at least say, hey, that's pretty good. But you're right. It's instant, yeah, instant masterpiece and instant trash and nothing in between. And it's I've, I've experienced that in real life. I mean, I, I used to work with a guy. and this happening back, today. This is it, when, it, um, the Taylor Swift movie came out today and raked over the weekend. It's the best concert film of all time. Like, hey, sure. Well, it's I, good. It's awesome. But like. Is it the best concert film of all time? How many concert films have you seen? Like, go back and relitigate that in four years, you know? Well, I, I remember working with a guy when that uh, Drive movie came out with Brian Gosling. Oh, and and yeah. he was like, this movie is the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, well, this ins- I, I told him, I was like, well, it's inspired by this, this, and this. Uh-huh. Have you seen yeah. this? And they're like, well, those are old. I like this because it's new. And I said, well, what are you uh-huh. going to say in five years when Drive is yeah. five years old? Exactly. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're you're me as a Chicago Bears fan wearing a Brian Urlacher jersey. You look lame, and someday, millennial, you will look lame. You know. Yeah, but th- that does get to the point, though. Uh-huh. That's the thing. That's the thing that's cool, and that's this goes to the, um, you know, the reestablishing, re re looking at things. Yeah, it's like there will be a time when wearing a Brian Urlacher jersey in Chicago is actually going to be seen as trendy and hip. Oh, we're, were they already? Time was, well, <laughs> time, well, I don't know if that's true yet. Yeah, I don't think Urlacher's old enough yet. No, well, he's got all the billboards for getting his hair back around town. So that's, that's true. Kind of I've, seen, I've seen that. But yeah. like, like, for example, like, um, like I, 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 every Sports. now and then I'll bust out like an old, like Trent Dilfer, Derek Brooks jersey. Yeah, and, yeah. But that's like 20 plus years ago. So it's not like I'm, I'm not wearing Jameis Winston jerseys around still. You know right. what I mean? Like that's right. where it gets lame where you're like, that's yeah. only six years ago. 
So that kind of applies to films too, because it's like I after think, a while you start to appreciate. You start to appreciate yeah. what you had. And, and legacies know. are made. Like uh, they they they've weathered the storm of their initial time. They've gained reverence in time. Cream has risen to the top from reappraisal or whatever. And you know the the appreciation of it. it maybe even just the idea of rewatchability. Like the appreciation sure. of it has grown enough that it's still cool to like this four, five, twenty years later. You know, mm-hmm. and that's worth it. Like. Yeah, well, I, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that in the future. You know, we're working right now on. I don't know if you've seen this, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure you're going to hate me if you've seen it. But like, we're 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 working on getting an author on a book about the Rob Zombie Firefly trilogy on here. Like, yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses is 20 years old, and like, yeah. it is. If you looked at what happened when it was shelved and barely released by mm-hmm. uh, a studio to where it is now, where you can buy all the merch. For the movie, and it inspired rides at Universal Studios and all kinds of stuff. Like sometimes these things need time to breathe, like before they yeah. become something. Like there's nothing wrong with being a cult. A, a box office does not automatically doom a film in terms of its. There's there, there's plenty of pe- things that are considered classics, right? That never made money. Like for me, like oh, totally Bla- Blade Runner. Many. Both Blade Runners were bombs. Yeah. Like, like, and I love them. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. So yeah. Yeah. My, my, my comp for that is always Bill Murray. Like he, I mean, and some of that is favorite and best the way I play with my criticism. Like, sure, like sure. Bill Murray, Bill Murray's headstone will read Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day. But to a lot of people, it's the Jarmusch stuff. It's the Wes Anderson sure. stuff. And he'll always have that. And that's the nice part about like, the reassessment like we just did this this year with harrison ford we watched hanover street we watched regarding henry we're probably going to dive a couple more like it's fun that like yes when whenever harrison ford leaves this mortal coil it'll be indiana jones and han solo but at the same time i hope people come back and go damn the guy had it and other places and that and we're, sure. and we're we're already there with like i think we're already there with tom hanks like there, it's fun to see some people discover like big you know it's fun to see yeah. people discover even forrest gump Compared to, I mean, I know it's that well, long ago. Well, millennials' eyes before they were born. So this is this is perfect, and I know we'll have to end it because we're going like super long. And uh, yeah, Mitch when Bruce, Martin Scorsese yeah. passes, are they going to mention Taxi Driver or The Irishman? Are they going to mention I, Killers I, of the Flower Moon yeah. or Goodfellas? Exactly. That's yeah. how you got to look at this shit, man. It's not yeah. that it's the current, the current all-ending masterpiece mm. that it is. Sometimes it's okay for a flawed yeah. film to exist. Okay. And he said, and he's had reappraisals. Like, um, who's that? Not, uh, what's the New York, New York has had a reappraisal mm-hmm. in the sure. King of uh, comedy. After hours, King of Com- after hours. Like it's got a criterion. Yeah. System. Like give it some time. And even bringing out the dead with Nicholas cage that often gets cited as uh-huh. like one of his, one of his yeah. uh, deep cuts. That's very and good. I, and here's the fun part is like in 20 years, even the stuff that is, Missed or overhyped, underhyped now, or even the stuff that's overhyped now. Well, cream will rise to the top. We'll come back to maybe yes. someday we'll come back to um Ant Man three and go. You know what? Hey, that Paul Rudd, <laughs> he's still charming as a motherfucker. You know, like uh, I don't know about thing. that. <laughs> I don't know about that either. Like, but but it could but it could happen. You know, like what will sure. what is fashionable? What will what will be around? But you know what? You know what? One could be that's that's uh, that's Marvel that could face that reevaluation in a long time yeah uh eternals i, I think, think you're right i know I, think, I dogged it but i think i think you'll go look back and go you know what that's an artfully made superhero film that just happened to have some big ideas there too 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think right. that'll be one. I think that's one where once you separate the hype and the yeah. negative film stuff around yeah. it, people are going to be well, like, you know what? That was actually kind of a bold take for a independent filmmaker to make a studio film like this. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not saying that you have to like it. I'm just saying I like it. Appreciate it differently. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be appreciated differently because. And this happens all the time. I mean, we watch stuff. I, I've been watching a lot of stuff from not necessarily my childhood, but like stuff that I really enjoyed. Like I showed my daughter like any given Sunday. Yeah. And, which is in my top flawed 20 movie. all time. It's yeah. very flawed, but also it just, it's told differently too. It just oh, yeah. looks different. The way it's edited. A hyper it's movie. Yeah. Crazy movie. But it's, but it's a lot different than I think my 20 year old brain remembered though. Like that's right. It's actually. It is hyperkinetic, but compared to like the the Paul Greengrass, Michael Bay stuff of today, yes. yeah, it's actually pretty slow in, in comparison yeah. to that. It's actually not yeah. as hyperkinetic I as agree. I thought it was. But that's called the passage of time. Filmmaking was mm-hmm. different then. They made it different True. back then. I remember watching it and thinking, oh, this is a little bit slower than I remember. Whereas when I was in my 20s, when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, this thing won't stop. It's crazy. You know, yeah, like, yeah. and it's, it's, that's, that's the whole, I mean, you can do that back in, even with some of the 70s films. Like, you, know, right. you, can, you can watch those and be like, oh, well, some of this seems a little rudimentary and slow, but at the same time, you got to remember, like at the time that was, Oh, that was, know, that was a, huge. that was a thumper. Yeah. We just, like, did, you and I did this with the exorcist. The exorcist takes a yeah. bit to get going, but oh, once absolutely. it's going, it glues you to your seat. You don't want to leave, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I, so it's storytelling is very different. Um, and, and, and in the killers of the flower moon, I did appreciate there is some old style. Uh, I agree. Storytelling in it. Like I, I kind of yeah. got a lot of like, um, like with Leo and his haircut, like some Jimmy Cagney vibes from it sometimes. <laughs> sure, sure. But, but at the same time, though, yeah, you know, there's there's a way to do that artfully, and then there's a way of like not letting go of what's already passed. And I think That's it's true. more of that than than it being like an artful like throwback to an older yeah. period. This is just someone who's kind of I'm going to make it my way. This is how I know how to make films, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. But yeah. You know. I don't know. I, be, I I something tells me this won't be the last time we talk about this movie. I, I we're going to get to our Oscar shows. Katie Glidewell has reserved her seat. You know this movie is going to carry the hype next time. It's going to Irishman though. It's going to go zero for eleven. I right? think it's going to go zero for yeah. It, it'll get ten because I'm not a big Oppenheimer guy, but I can't name a quality in this movie that is better than something else I've already seen this year. It's well, one of the five yeah. best. Yes. But it's not the it's not the best editing I've seen this year. It's not the best score I've seen this year. It's not the best costumes I've seen this year. Like Production it'll be a design. top fiver. It'll be yeah. a top fiver. But it won't win. It won't. Yep. It'll do an Irishman. It'll go over ten again. Or unless they just decide. Well, no. Here's the thing. Like it's either award the old man one more time or the first time for Nolan. I think the first time well, for Nolan's going to win. I think. I think like, that this is our chance to finally get. Yeah. We thought maybe that would happen with Spielberg. You know, with Fablemans because he got yeah. nominated for director, and we were like, maybe right. they'll give it to him because this is probably his last hurrah, right? You know, um, or the, or the Irishman, like yeah. If, if they didn't give it to Spielberg, they definitely aren't going to give it to Scorsese, especially since not, they didn't give it to Scorsese for like yeah. three decades. And, so. and not and not in a year when you have a younger, equally unrewarded auteur doing one. Well, at least one of his. I'm not again. I'm not an Oppenheimer guy, but you know, you got Nolan cooking on a Nolan level where, to many people's eyes, this is the best he's ever been, and that's enough, especially with the Barbenheimer boost, to be like, 
Well, he'll, well, that's the thing. He'll have public consciousness. He'll have critical consciousness. No, he'll have I, the sweep of, of voters there. You know, I will take I will take Nolan heads uh, bragging about the Oscar Same. over any of this Scorsese shit. Oh, <laughs> so, me too. Yeah, because yep. at least I loved Oppenheimer, so I can at least get yeah, behind yeah. it. <laughs> like, Same. You know, if they, if they gave it to him for like fucking Dunkirk or something, I would have been like, "Oh fuck this!" But yeah, come on, man. But, but like, uh, <laughs> for, for, for this one, like, if if this is his makeup award culmination, hey, this is his turn. Yeah, yep, that's 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 the spot. This is probably the spot to get Christopher, and or well, this is the spot to get Greta, and maybe you can do some split there too. So let's see. It's yeah. gonna get. I mean, if I had to predict now. I mean, I can think of six off the top of my head. It's going to get nominations for Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, it's going to get picture director. It's probably going to get adapted screenplay. Uh, Le- Leo, Leo De Niro and Gladstone. That's six. Production design, costumes. You'll, it'll get score. I know it's Maybe, a slight score, but it counts as score. And Robbie score. Robertson passed away this year where this is a legacy vote for him. Okay. And then maybe you'll swing in visual effects because there's a lot of like cattle, yeah. weird shit like that. Uh, uh, maybe maybe. Sound, sound and editing. And yeah, sound and editing. So it shouldn't get editing. Yeah, it's and definitely you know, should not over. get editing, but everybody no. loves uh Dumbass Schumacher. Schumacher. So, yeah. so. Yeah, I, oh, I, I think ten or eleven, and then. But how about we just make a deal? And we just don't talk about it until then. How about that? Yeah, Bikini's <laughs> on this show. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. So sorry, Mitch. Uh, I know. I'll get. I'll, too- I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have them split this one. We'll find a spot in the middle. Hey, if it makes you feel better, Mitch. If you were watching Killers of the Flower Moon, you'd still have an hour and forty-five minutes to oh go. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like <laughs> it could be, it could be, folks. This could be so much worse. Yep. Yeah, it could, it could be much worse. All right. So uh, before you've listened to us bloviate about these things, so uh, why don't you uh, check out our merch? We have shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Cinephile hits you fit swag. Go to tpublic.com/user/ruminationsradio/network. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit, on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, and Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership and our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>